What's up? Welcome back. I'm sure that if you are listening to this episode, that you are a mom, whether you are a new mom or you're a grandma who has a daughter who has become a mom or close to anyone who's postpartum, this is going to be a super helpful episode for you. So a couple weeks ago, I was doing just a Q&A on Instagram, and a common question I kept getting asked was about how to work back into exercise postpartum, what to eat postpartum, and just a bunch of questions about that arena as it can be really confusing for new moms. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to do an entire podcast on this, and I'm just going to give three to four really simple tips to get people started in the right direction postpartum, which is going to help you long-term success with any goal that you have. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed. So I've made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay a while. All right, so these tips today may seem a little bit simple, but the truth is... (laughs) Sometimes we overcomplicate things and we don't need to. So I'm going to go over some stuff about the core, working back into regular exercise and nutrition, and hopefully these really help you if you are a new mom or just, you know, within that first year postpartum trying to ease back in and feel like yourself again. So honestly, my very first tip, and I think that this is the one that's done incorrectly probably the most, is I'm going to tell you Do not start first thing back into traditional core work. So that is your typical crunches, bicycle crunches, planks, et cetera, just the basic core work that you see everywhere. Let me explain why. When you are pregnant, you have a growing belly. You have a left ab and a right ab, and then you have a linea alba, which runs down the center. It basically connects your right and left ab. As you are growing with that baby, that linea alba gets stretched out, which is normal. Like your abs have to separate a little bit for that baby to grow. If it didn't separate, we wouldn't get the bellies we have to like make a home for that baby and it wouldn't be effective. So it has to stretch. A lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want it to stretch. The linea alba has to stretch to make room in your womb (laughs) for your baby. So that is totally normal. Normally, after you have the baby, the linea alba will start to reduce and kind of come back together, bringing the right ab and the left ab back together. This typically happens between 6 and 12 weeks for most people. And when it sticks around after that, that is normally when it is labeled as diastasis recti. Now, oftentimes, the linea alba will stay stretched out more often when you are a mother of multiples, when you had a very large baby because it stretches more than normal, when you have back-to-back pregnancies, it's really common. Like, obviously, if there's a longer space between your pregnancies, your core has time to come back together and heal. So those are really common. And often, sometimes even for shorter people, if there's less torso for the baby to grow in, it's more likely to stretch a little bit more too. That's when you see the moms where they're bellies go straight out. They could like put a cup on their belly. So those are the most common, but really it can happen for anyone where it just stretches a little bit more than normal and doesn't fully come back together right away. 
So that's reason number one. You have the stretched linea alba, which I will explain more. The second part to this is you have your pelvic floor, which a baby has been sitting on for the last nine months. So I want you to imagine, did anyone play like that water balloon toss game with the net when you were younger where you had the partner and you had a towel and you would toss this water balloon back and forth? And when it was a little water balloon, it was really easy to like give with the towel and not allow the water balloon to break. Well, as you get bigger water balloons, it's harder for them not to break. Now, imagine that towel as your pelvic floor. And like, yeah, in the beginning, it's like not that stressful when your baby's only, you know, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 10 weeks, 15 weeks, even 20 weeks. It's not so bad yet. But towards the end of your pregnancy, you've, you're trying to hold a water balloon on your towel and it's stressful for your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor is worn out and it gets really weak. And so you're dealing with this linea alba that might be stretched out and you're dealing with a pelvic floor, which is weak from holding a watermelon towards the end that you were trying to toss over the net and it really wasn't working out so well. So you have to give these muscles and these parts of your body time to heal. Now, when we go back into traditional core work too fast, we are basically irritating these parts of your body before they are healed. It is literally like being on, you know, breaking your leg and being on crutches and trying to run when you still have a broken leg. You can't do that. You have to rehab. You have to learn to walk again. You have to strengthen the supporting muscles and then you run again. But you can't just go from broken leg to running. And after we have a baby, we often are like, oh, had the baby, okay, back to normal. And you need to rehab your body. Like it's taken time. It's stretched. The pelvic floor is tired. The linea alba is stretched out. We need to make sure things connect back the way that they should first. So when we do things like crunches, you're causing some intra-abdominal pressure. Now, I even remember the very first time I was in a training course on postpartum health, and I heard that word. I was like, that seems like a big word. It doesn't make sense to me. So you want to imagine it like a balloon. Like if you had a balloon sitting where your core was and you drew the abs on this balloon and you crunched forward, it would smush the balloon together. And when you smush the balloon from the top and the bottom, what does the balloon do? it pushes out to the sides. So that is pushing out on your core forward, pushing your stomach to push out even more against that weakened linea alba. Now, that linea alba is already stretched out, so it's not very good at bracing your core. So it's that interabdominal pressure is going to push out. The other thing that sometimes happens when we start lifting too fast is we can push down on the pelvic floor. That intra-abdominal pressure pushes down, so it's like pushing the top of the balloon, and then it's pushing down at the bottom of the balloon, which is the pelvic floor, the example of the pelvic floor. So when we go into traditional core exercises too fast, we can irritate an already weakened core and prevent it from healing as fast as it could otherwise. This is exactly what I did with my twins. It's why this is such a big platform for me because I made that mistake. I literally feel like I want to scream from the mountaintops, do not do traditional core work after you have your babies for a little while. Let your core get strong because I didn't. And I developed diastasis recti afterwards. Now, I may have developed it whether I did planks and crunches and stuff afterwards or not, but I definitely didn't help my situation. And I definitely caused more problems for my core in healing. And it took a lot longer to heal postpartum than it did after my other two pregnancies where I understood the core better and I was 
not jumping back into everything I saw in every fitness magazine. Literally, I remember after I had my twins, I was like, oh, perfect. Now I can do planks again. And I literally started into planks and crunches and all the things. And all I was doing was causing pressure on an already weakened linea alba before it was healed, before it was strong enough to brace the core properly, like to wrap in properly. And so I just made the way my stomach looked worse. And I want to prevent that from you. So I'm going to tell you, let's not start with traditional ab exercises. What you want to start with is first learning to fire the pelvic floor, lifting the pelvic floor, relaxing the pelvic floor, just turning on the pelvic floor. Then you want to learn to connect that to your transverse abdominals to work on your inner core. I know I have talked about this a lot in podcasts, so I won't get into it a ton, but I do have a totally 100% free course called Heal Your Core, Transverse Abdominals and Pelvic Floor. It's meant to help you learn to connect to the pelvic floor, learn to connect to your inner core, then learn to connect that with movements, which is where you want to go to brace the core so that you can teach the core to connect properly again. You want to teach the right ab and the left ab muscle memory and strength to when it is under that pressure, like we talked about that intra-abdominal pressure, to come together, not to push out. We want a nice, strong core doing its job. So that is totally free. I will add the link in my show notes. It is also in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is deliciously fit, the letter N, healthy, and it's in there as well, and it's free. It's a three-video series. So that's number one. Don't start with traditional core work. First, start with healing your pelvic floor, healing your core by learning to breathe properly during movements, and then you're going to want to add movements onto that. And as you add movements, you will become more ready to add things back in. So after my twins, as I said, I did it the wrong way. And I had to take steps back like in reverse, because when you do it the wrong way, you kind of have to start back over, which is frustrating. And I had to learn to connect my pelvic floor and core, you know, that inner core in movements, and then I could ease back into planks. There are some really simple signs to tell when you can ease back into planks. One of them is that you don't have doming. That's where you have that cone or a dome. Some people say it looks like a bread loaf, basically like a ridge down the center of your core. If you are not seeing that in core movements, that's a good sign. If you are not having any sort of pain or leakage, that's a good sign that you're ready to add things back in. If you are able to keep a core connection, as in bringing that right ab and left ab together to brace the core during movements and being able to hold that for the full range of motion, that is also another really good sign that you're ready to add back in some traditional core work. If you are able to lay on your back and lift you know, both your feet off the ground and put your hand on your core as you lift them off the ground. And if you don't feel any push up or any movement of the core up because you're properly connecting the core as your legs come off the ground, which is actually a lot of core work. When you lift both your legs off the ground, instantly it puts everything into your core. If you're able to do that, it's another good sign that you're able to move back into traditional core work. When you do move back into traditional core work, it doesn't mean that you're like, oh, no, no coning. Let me just do all the things. Let me just move like a crazy person. You still want to ease in slowly. So when I ease back into traditional core work, I start with very short 
planks, like 10 seconds. And I make sure that my core is drawn in properly, that I am exhaling, my pelvic floor is lifted, my transverse abdominals are pulled in. And the second I am not able to keep that motion for the range of motion for like the entire time under pressure, that's what range of motion means. It means the entire movement of the exercise, like while you're under pressure, that you're able to keep that connection then I know that I need to come out of the plank. So you'll start with just 10-second planks, 15-second planks. Then you'll move to 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And then you can even move to a minute. From there, normally I will add a very slow push-up to make sure that I'm able to keep the core connected during things like that, during a push-up. So now I am moving in a plank. From there, I might add, once I can do a push-up, you know, correctly where I'm exhaling, lifting the pelvic floor, drawing the transverse abdominals in during the push-up of the push-up, I might add mountain climbers. So I slowly progress from like a stable movement to having movement within the movement to even almost like a cardio-based while keeping the core connected. You can do the same thing with just gentle, you know, crunches. I wouldn't I would do crunches so last. In fact, I don't even ever do crunches. I would rather do a lower body crunch or something like a bird dog or something where your knees are hovering first. So we slowly strengthen the core without, you know, just smushing it together and stretching out that linea alba. So that is a huge piece. Again, if some of that didn't make sense to you, if you're like, I don't even know what she's talking about, the pelvic floor and the linea alba and, you know, the the transverse abs, go download my free breathing series. It's really helpful. And all of this is in my postpartum guide as well, but you can do, you can learn the breathing in that free breathing series. So go there. That's going to be effective. The second thing, like it's kind of a part two to this is often people will say, oh, um, I'm going to wear a binder to help my core right after I have the baby. So the thing with the binders is They're effective short-term. And I'm going to give you this comparison, and I hope this makes sense. With my twins, again, I wore an ab binder. I wore a belly bandit. And while I think it can help with posture, I think it can help with muscle memory because it forces you to sit up straight. So you have to, you know, kind of turn on the memories, the memory of the muscles. I also think it becomes a crutch. So if you are going to wear a binder and you just had a baby, I personally do not suggest it past four-ish, four to six weeks max. And this is why. Because while it can help with your posture, it also can cause your core to turn off because the binder is now doing the work that your core should do. So with my twins, I wore a binder a little bit too long. I wore it because I was like, oh, it helps me feel all sucked in. It makes me feel better in my clothes, you know, yada, yada. But then I didn't actually know how to use my core muscles to do what the binder should have done. And long term after, you know, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, I was like, why does my core look like it does? Because I never trained the core to turn back on recently after I had the baby because the binder was doing it. So if you broke your leg, let's go back to that scenario. If you broke your leg and you had crutches and the only way to improve your leg after you break it, like you start with crutches, that makes sense. But then eventually, again, remember, you've got to get off the crutches. You've got to start kind of like hobbling around and making your leg kind of turn on, maybe still putting like 
most of your weight on your other leg, but like 10% on this leg that's, you know, injured. Or maybe you're going to go to a physical therapist and they're going to help you strengthen the supporting muscles around that leg so it gets stronger. And then eventually you learn to walk again and then you run again. And then it's like it never happened. Your core is the same way. If we just live in an ab binder the rest of our life, like while at the beginning it's supportive like a crutch for your leg, I mean, imagine staying on crutches forever and then being surprised that your leg doesn't heal. That doesn't even make sense. You have to progress that leg. You've got to start hobbling and walking and jogging and then running and rehab. And it's the same for your core. So you can't stay in an ab binder forever. It is a short term if you want to wear it, and it's not even necessary, but if you want to wear it, it is directly for after you have the baby to help maybe with posture, but you need to practice taking off that ab binder and turning on your core, learning to sit up straight with nothing on, but just sitting up straight using your core muscles and learning to inhale and exhale with your abdominals. So when we are pregnant, oftentimes we learn to chest breathe where our chest comes up and down because this baby's taken up all the space in our belly. And then we start strapping on an ab binder and we're still chest breathing, which again, isn't allowing our diaphragm to turn on. And then our pelvic floor is not invited to the party. So if we're going to talk about not doing traditional core work right after you have the baby, I'm also going to tell you, do not stay in an ab binder for more than four to six weeks and make sure you take off that binder and you learn to sit up. You practice breathing with your diaphragm, literally watching your ribs expand and come in. Put one hand on your chest and one hand on your ribs and take a big inhale and notice what is rising and falling. If your chest is rising and falling, your diaphragm isn't even doing the work and you need to turn on the diaphragm to turn on the pelvic floor, which is also going to help with leakage and recovery and reduce pain and just help you feel like yourself again. And a side note to turning on your diaphragm and your pelvic floor is If your ab binder is too tight, then your body is going to become like a tube of toothpaste. So imagine there being pressure in the middle of the toothpaste. What happens? The toothpaste squeezes out the bottom. So when we have uncontrolled abdominal pressure, if we're lifting a car seat with that weak core or we're twisting or even just sneezing or coughing sometimes, it's going to cause prolapse possibly because there's no way for it to go out because the ab binder is so tight or even increased leakage. And we want to avoid both of those. So if you do decide to wear an ab binder within the four to six week period right after you have the baby, make sure that it is a little bit more gentle and it's more of a support and you are not cinching that thing so tight where it is just turning off the core and then creating pressure on your pelvic floor, which is already so weak after having the baby. So that's really, really important. Do not overdo those binders because they become a crutch and they end up hindering you in the long run if you wear them too long. So be very aware of that. My next tip after we've talked about, obviously, core work and binders is that you've got to progressively, just the same as you've got to progressively, you know, work back into traditional core work over time once your core is ready for it. It's all about what your core is ready for. And we're not all the same. Sometimes people's have you know, a, a deeper gap in their core after they have a baby, or sometimes the gap, then Lenny Alba just closes on their own and they can ease back into traditional stuff faster than someone else. So you have to look at those cues that I suggested for when your core is ready to do traditional stuff. And along with that is when is your body ready to 
progressively like improve in your fitness, like in running and strength training and all those things. So exactly like your core, you have to progressively work back into fitness. I often have seen other influencers on Instagram who are really big influencers are pretty popular and they're big into weight training or they're, you know, big into running or whatever their thing is. And they have the baby and they'll I saw a girl one time who was like, oh, six weeks back at the gym, and she is putting a massive bar with weights on her back, and I, my eyeballs almost popped out of my head. Not because she can't do that because the girl's strong enough, but because is her core and pelvic floor ready for that? Often we want to, we think we're not pregnant, we're kind of feeling better, and we want to just do the things we did before we had the baby, or even the things we did in the third trimester. I'm actually really active in my third trimester when I'm pregnant. I can lift really heavy still in my third trimester. I'm still doing kickboxing. I'm moving all over the place. But once that baby comes out and you've taken that break from like exercise and your core is now weak and there's nothing in there and you're trying to strengthen it so that it connects properly, you have to slow things down and ease back in the right way. I had a girl email me the other day and said, I'm super active. And she explained all the things she's been doing. And she's like, I don't think I need to start with your postpartum guide because I'm already like really fit. And it was hard to explain to her, but I did. And and I'm going to explain to you, listen, I am in really good shape after I have my baby, but that doesn't mean that I don't need to still start slow and improve and increase weights and ease back into things the right way. Because again, it comes down to that intra-abdominal pressure that your core has been off for the last, you know, 10 months while you were pregnant and you need to slowly strengthen it. You can't go from running one mile to running a marathon. And your core is the same. It can't just all of a sudden snap back. It needs time to heal. So even with exercise and how I have my postpartum guide set up, which I'm going to explain as well, is when you start easing back, when you're approved for exercise, and when you start easing back into exercise, I'm going to tell you to start super gentle with light weights, and you're going to progressively add weights. And this is exactly what I do and what I do in my guide. I start with just like seated and laying down movements because there are a lot less stress on the core and the pelvic floor. So I will start with my breathing and making sure my breathing is connecting in chest presses and, you know, overhead things or just laying down, you know, just basic movements where I'm not even standing. I will start there. And then I will add in movements where I'm seated. So maybe like an overhead tricep extension or a bicep curl or those things, but I'm still seated. Um, It's just not as stressful and I'll move into standing. So I go from laying to seated to standing in my first couple weeks. Like I'll kind of add those all in together and see how my core is feeling and how my muscles are feeling. Sometimes the muscles are stronger than the core, but you still have to slow it all down to make sure everything is moving at the same speed so that it's better long term. So I understand that like my biceps may be a lot stronger than my core, but my breathing during my biceps when I'm using heavier weights needs to be on point. So you sometimes have to lighten that weight. So after standing, I will go to bilateral upper body work and then add some lower body with no weight. What that means is bilateral means you're working one side of the body at a time. And the reason I do that is because your core has to stabilize while you're holding, you know, a 10 pound, 20 pound, whatever pound weight in one hand. 
And your core has to learn to stabilize that and not shift and twist. And so it can help train your core to lift the pelvic floor, draw the transverse abdominals in, inhale, exhale, as you're working one side, which challenges the core in a different way than when you're working both sides, which is unilateral. So I start with bilateral upper body, and then I will add lower body, no weight. So I will start with just a super basic sumo squat where I'm coming down. I'm inhaling on my way down. I exhale. I lift the pelvic floor. I draw the transverse abdominals in and I stand. And I practice just doing that to make sure my squat form is good and my breathing is good. And then from there, I start to add weights. So we go from bilateral upper body to lower body with no weights. I do those together. And then you add lower body with light weights, and then you increase, obviously, the weights for the lower body over time. And then at that point, you can be increasing your upper body weights as well. And so I move to that progression where we're slowly increasing weights. We're starting to use bilateral movements on our lower body with weights because, again, it's training our core in a different way. It's training our muscles in a different way. And then the last thing I add in is jumps and super heavy weights. When I am postpartum, I technically could probably do a squat with as much as I did before I had the baby, but my core can't handle that. Maybe my legs can because they're still pretty strong, but my core can't. And that's what throws people off is oftentimes other muscles in our body can make something happen, but that doesn't mean the core can. And the core is like your center unit. Like literally it is the entire center of your body. So it needs to be ready before you do those things. So you need to progressively work into fitness with weights. It's an easy progression that way. It's going to help you slowly train your body and get ready. And I promise you, if you do it that way, long-term, you will have a million times less problems than if you jump straight into day one. I had the baby, good for me. I'm now going to go run a marathon. Or I had a baby, good for me. I'm now going to squat exactly what I squatted before. You have to ease in. And it's the same with cardio. Start with walks, making sure your diaphragm's breathing when you're moving. You can add slight jogs after you've trained your core, after you've made sure that your pelvic floors knows how to turn on and your inner core knows how to turn on. And then you can ease in and add longer things and do other movements there, but you want to start gentle. So that's kind of tip number two is we really need to do progressive work with fitness in general and not just pick up where you left off. The next thing to think about with being postpartum is nutrition. And this is a little bit more of a tricky one. And I would definitely say I'm a little bit more on the conservative side of this, but that's because I always look at the long term of things. I look at the lifestyle of things, because if you can build a lifestyle, you will build a happy life. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. When people have a lifestyle, they are happier. And so with nutrition, normally I'm going to tell you, and this might surprise people, but for the first eight weeks, and I mean, you can really push it down to four, but I would say eight weeks, I want you to just rest, recover, relax, enjoy the baby. Like people normally leave you alone in the first handful of weeks. You never get those weeks back. No one's going to care that you're staying home or that you're not doing some of the things that you used to. So just focus on 
recovering and the baby and your family and trying to get as much sleep as you can because you know you're not sleeping when you first have that baby. So just put your energy there. Don't think about your diet yet. Just try to relax and recover and you're going to have the rest of your life to deal with your diet, okay? I'm not telling you to binge your face off or do whatever you want, but I'm just going to tell you, do not overthink your diet in those first couple weeks because A, I think you've just mentally had a baby. You had a human being come out of your body. So let's just let your body like relax and recover. And B, it's actually really good if you are nursing to just build that milk supply in the very beginning. When I had my twins, I gave birth at a hospital just outside Chicago. And this hospital, people came from like all over to take nursing classes and to like figure out how to get the best supply. And they were basically known in the area for being a nursing hub. And I'm so glad I gave birth to my twins there because I learned so much. And I had a killer milk supply with all of my babies because of that. And one of the things that they said was that they said, don't do anything drastic in the first couple of weeks because... Your supply, the foundation of it, you're laying literally the foundation of your supply in those first few weeks. And so you want to be fueling properly. You want to be eating and you don't want to be overthinking it. So for example, and I know I'm not a nursing expert, but this is what they taught me there at this hospital that was for nursing experts. They basically said after you nurse to like pump afterwards for two to four weeks to just really get a good supply. Because in the beginning... The baby's not really eating that much, but we really want to get that supply in. And they had me eating. Like, I was eating. And it was actually a very enjoyable time where I was like, I don't have to think about anything. I just want to get a good supply. I want my babies to be healthy. Now, whether you are nursing or not nursing, that doesn't matter. You have to do what's right for you. I still think it is a window for recovery, and it is not a window for body shaming or, you know, trying to simply quickly lose the weight. Just relax and recover. Now, you can do this for a couple months. I don't care. I don't even mind if you did it for the full first year. But for people who are itching to, to, you know, make some changes, I at least ask eight weeks for you to just allow your body to recover. After eight weeks, what I suggest is that you, if you really want to see some changes at that point, you can move into a method I call naming your plate with my clients or in my postpartum guide. Or it's also could technically be known as intuitive eating with macro awareness. The purpose of this isn't necessarily to limit your food. It's not to slash calories. It's not to starve. It's to intuitively eat, but be aware of what is on your plate and balance your plate correctly so that you know you are getting proteins, fats, and carbs. I never teach food as in like good and bad food. I understand that some food is healthier for you and some food is not as healthy for you, but we all know that and I don't need to harp on that and I don't need to point that out. I would rather you focus on seeing food as a protein, a fat, and a carb and making sure that you're intuitively eating but being aware that all of those are on your plate because they all have purpose. No more pointing out bad food. No more pointing out good food. I see carbs. Carbs give me energy. Carbs are the staff of life. They literally allow me to like move throughout the day. They have purpose. Carbs also can help you grow. I also see protein. Protein literally builds our bodies. It helps repair our muscles. It helps our hair, skin, and nails. It helps kids grow. It's awesome. It's awesome if you're trying to like get some definition in your body. 
And then fat is so good for you. It's good for your milk supply if you're nursing. It's good for your membranes. It's good for your hormones. It's literally like the hormone whisperer. When you have good, healthy fats, they help your hormones level out because they're fat-soluble hormones, which like help everything out. So I see food that way. So once you hit eight weeks, if you're wanting to see changes, I wouldn't go into an extreme diet. I would just simply look at your plate and say, do I have protein at this meal? Oh my gosh, I don't have protein. Maybe I should add some chicken or some Greek yogurt or maybe an egg, whatever it is. I know that there's limitations when people are nursing that some things don't sit well with babies, but there are lots of different proteins that you can add. Same thing with carbs and same thing with fats. Oftentimes we get busy after we have a baby and we forget to eat. And then because we forget to eat, our insulin's coming up and down, up and down. And the easiest thing for us to reach for is carbs. And again, carbs aren't bad. But if you're only reaching for carbs, then you're going to have a hard time losing weight and you're going to have spikes of energy and low energy and high energy. And then often sometimes people will just reach for fats and we forget about the protein. You guys know I am a massive fan of protein. I did a whole podcast on how protein helps you build muscle and lose weight. So go back to that episode if you want to know and learn more about that. But For me, at eight weeks, if you're really wanting to start something, I would simply focus on intuitive eating with macro awareness and making sure that your plates are balanced. So if you have a meal and you notice, hey, protein's missing on my plate, figure out how to add it. It's a really simple change, but it's actually going to be really effective because A, protein takes longer to digest and it works really well for helping you feel good and keep you full so you tend to even eat a little bit less when you do do that but it's really important now when you hit the step above where you're like I actually want to do something I I want to do a program I want to do something I'm always going to suggest macro counting um It is my favorite because there is no strict limitations. There's no rules that you can't have this food or that food, which I think can be bad mentally. It gives you a little bit more freedom in how you set up your percents. I think it's just super effective. I fully believe on it. It's how I train my clients, but you can easily do it on your own. I think it's just a great way of balancing out your food intake without having to just slash the crap out of your calories, which a lot of people do. And if you are nursing, you do have to be aware that you still need anywhere from 200 to 500 extra calories to keep your milk. So I think macros does give you that freedom to do that. Also with nursing, you have to be aware that it affects your ability to lose weight in different ways. There are some people who they nurse and the weight just like falls off super easy for them. And other people, when they are nursing, They cannot drop an ounce if their life depended on it because of the hormones. There are a lot of increased hormones in your body like relaxin and estrogen and so many other things that actually can hinder your ability to lose weight. And that does happen to some women. So it's really important to not just assume, oh, just because I'm nursing, it's going to fall off. But it might help if you balance out your macro intake and see that like maybe you're having too much of a certain macro, which is hindering your weight loss because you already can have some hormones working against you. Obviously, it doesn't happen for everybody. But yes, while you're nursing, some hormones can work against your ability to lose weight. If you are going to do macro counting, for my nursing macro clients, I lean towards a higher 
protein, higher fat diet because we tend to be more full when our fat is higher and I feel like it can help protect the milk. And again, you can't slash the calories. You have to make room for that extra amount, that 200 to 500 calorie window to make sure that you're being effective in keeping that milk. But I have found personally with my coaching clients that a higher protein, higher fat diet can protect the milk supply and help them lose weight. I feel like that's a pretty effective ratio and that varies per person, but that's worked really well for my nursing clients. But again, you just don't want to do anything extreme. I'm obviously never going to suggest anything extreme. You guys know that about me. Um, I don't like extreme things. I don't think they last. I don't think they're maintainable. I think they're more likely to hurt your milk supply. I think they're more likely to hurt your mental health. And I just feel like if I can't do it day in and day out, or if I can't have some freedom, then I'm not going to go there. And I know that seems crazy to people because all the time I get comments where people say, no, you have to do extreme things. You can't just, you know, lose weight and do things balanced. You can. You can. I have hundreds of client photos that show you can. And I know you can on your own too. I don't doubt it. I've seen plenty of people do it and they have great success on their own. You can do it. Thinking that you can't, thinking you have to be extreme to see changes is the diet industry selling you a diet. I am trying to sell you a lifestyle. Lifestyle is where you live, okay? It's way better. So if you do want to start something and you want to see some changes faster, I would look into macros, figure out some percents that work for you based on your goals. I would look into any type of coaching that way or just do it on your own. It's totally possible and it's super effective and it does give you more freedom, especially if you're nursing or whatever else because there's no such thing as like overly restrictive things that kick things out. The last tip I'm going to say, and honestly, this is the most important. I probably should have said it first because it really is the most important, is be patient. You are not going to bounce back. You need to bounce forward. So here is my issue with postpartum in general. When someone's pregnant, we are always like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. Let me open the door for you. Oh, you're so great. Don't move around. Sit on the couch. Just relax. Don't overdo it. And we're so kind to pregnant women. And then we have the baby. And within like a couple, like, yeah, in the first couple of weeks, people like are, you know, mom rest, recover. But I would say like between one to four months out, It's like, mom, bounce back. Mom, get with the program. Why do you look the way you do? Mom, you look terrible. Catch up. Bounce back. Look like everyone else. Celebrities are showing like perfect change in like just a couple weeks. That is so terrible for the mom. That is so hard. We are not going to bounce back. That is not how the body works. It did not grow that baby in four months. It's not going to be exactly the same after four months. It takes time. And even with that said, we don't, we're never the same. Like I am not the same as before I had my kids, but I am better. It's better. And, and I think sometimes we forget that, but like I am more patient. I am more kind. I am more loving. I am more understanding. I have more empathy. I have so many better traits than I had before I had my baby. So I don't want to bounce back. I want to bounce forward. And I believe your body can bounce forward too, just the same as your mind can bounce forward. But it takes time. You have to be patient and you have to not look around and compare yourself to other people. And you just have to do it slowly, progressively, slowly add your walks, slowly add your jogs. Once you get to that point, slowly try to balance your nutrition. Don't try to do anything extreme because it does 
backfire. And there is no doubt in my mind, as you're consistent with learning your breathing, learning to progressively challenge your body over time, learning to balance out your plate and your nutrition and not be extreme, that you will be happier, you will be healthier, and you will bounce forward into a situation that is very enjoyable, but it just takes time to get to. When you're recently postpartum, your hormones are off, your body's off, you're not sleeping, so you're exhausted. It's just you don't even feel like yourself. I feel like every time after babies, I get to a point where I'm like, I don't even recognize who I am on the inside or the outside just because you're so off. But it gets better over time. You just have to be patient with yourself and realize this is a journey. It is a journey. Postpartum is a journey. And it is a lifetime journey. My youngest is two years old now. I still feel like I'm postpartum. I think I'm going to feel that way the rest of my life because it is a powerful journey that I experienced that I feel like I will never be off because it's taught me so much being a mother and it's all part of the journey. So I'm going to encourage you to stop trying to do it overnight, to be patient and to focus on bouncing forward into something that you are happy with and you are healthy and you are balanced and you will get there, but you will get there with time. I certainly hope that this episode was helpful for you. I have thought about doing a more in-depth episode. So if you are curious on that for postpartum with more details, let me know. I've even thought about doing one on pregnancy and how I would do nutrition or workouts during pregnancy for the first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. So if you're interested in that, um, let me know. Send me a message or an email on it. I'm always, I always love to hear feedback from you. It, it's actually really nice. So I love you. I think you're doing great. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so that anytime a new episode comes out every Wednesday, you are getting it downloaded right away. And as always, please leave your reviews of the podcast and share this episode if you felt it was helpful, if you learned something new, if it inspired you, if it made you feel motivated in a good way, because I always care that we're motivated by good, healthy, true things, then please share it on your social media and tag me. I love to see it. All right, until next week. 